Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. For those of you that were here uh, Sunday night, I'm, I'm going to pick up on this thought of, about a company of contenders. And I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on it and push on it a little bit this morning. And uh, so at the beginning, it will be a little just a quick, quick review to bring uh, some of you into what, what I want to share today. But I believe God is wanting to do something in the realm of releasing a greater level of contending uh, over this house and over the body of Christ. And, uh, and so I just feel compelled to, to, to stay on it just this week for sure and see where it takes us. So I want to go back to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And pick it up there in verse 28. And Paul the apostle says, He is the one we proclaim. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend. With all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. And for those in Laodicea and for all those that have not met me personally. Paul was a contender. The spirit of revival that is on this house. The level of presence, faith, worship, praise, glory that we have enjoyed this morning is not here by accident. It is here because there is a company of contenders that refuse to worship any less, praise any less, honor any less the glory of God we get this question quite often how do you get your people to respond like that and many times when we give them the answer they're not real thrilled because immediately we begin to try to teach them about how important it is to increase people's capacity to contend Oh, we could be dead if we wanted to be. We could be dry if we wanted to be. We could have nominal church if we wanted to. We could come in here and do everything like everybody else, get in and get out and go on. But there's a contending spirit on this house, and there is a contending people in this place. Paul says, I am strenuously contending. Lord, give us this revelation today. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you so much, guys. Love you. Paul was contending for his apostolic assignment. His assignment was to make sure, in his own words, that everyone, 
even those that he has not even met yet, that everyone would receive the fullness of their inheritance in Christ. Matter of fact, Paul, Paul mentions this uh, in, here in Colossians in, in chapter 1, verse 12. He says, giving thanks to the Father, thanks to the Father who qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us mm, from the power of darkness and conveyed us or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Paul understood there was an inheritance for every child of God. And he felt like his apostolic assignment was every day when he got up, put his feet on the ground and took his first breath was to work tirelessly and to contend that no one would live in less than what God intended them to live in. The inheritance, uh, is a spiritual inheritance, is defined as the sum total of who God is and all that he has promised. So when I talk about an inheritance, I'm talking about us experiencing some total of who God is and all that he's promised. Sounds like revival to me. Sounds like revival to me. So revival is when a believer who is, who is about ready to give up everything, who's walking in a level of, of boredness, walking in a level of spiritual coldness, and, and feels no spirituality, no fire, no burning, no passion, no intensity, anything in their relationship with God. If that's you today, you're in the right place. Because he said that kind of person right there is the one I'm looking for. Because when revival comes, there is an igniting in the spirit of a man or a woman of God that causes them to begin to experience the sum total of all God is. I'm telling you, when we get a revelation and we understand this is our inheritance to experience who God is and all that he said we can have, it revolutionizes your life. Smith Wigglesworth says it like this. It is a place of fuller power. The inheritance of the saints. It is a place of fuller power. Paul said, oh, that you would experience the fullness, the full maturity in Christ. He also said that we should be filled with all the fullness of God. Revival is when we are filled with the fullness of God. So revival is our inheritance. The thing is, a spiritual inheritance must be possessed. In order to experience all God is and who he is and all that he's promised, much like the promised land, in order to inherit it, you got to put your feet on it. You got to serve notice. You got to serve an eviction notice to the giants that are sitting on your promised land. You've got to be willing to contend with things that are bigger than you are. You've got to tell it, get off my inheritance. So this is really about the Lord begin to push on me because see revival, for revival to be birthed, built, and sustained, it must be contended for. 
and we must steward it. We must steward our revival inheritance. Now, even the whole concept of sustained revival is quite new to many in the body of Christ today because revival has come and revival has gone. Revival is the history of the church. But what I'm trying to do this morning is create a context for us to understand that revival can be never ending. So what we are experiencing here today is not just the beginning of a thing. And it's not definitely not the ending of a thing. And it's not all there is in a thing. But there is more. And what we have to understand, in order for revival to continue, there must be a contending spirit. As much as a pastor may want his church to be in revival, until someone, until there's a remnant that contends for more, probably revival will not come. Because it doesn't just fall on us. It is a response of heaven to the contending company. You see, and what's important for us as we begin to possess our inheritance of revival is that we have to learn to value all expressions of the revival flow. Because inheritance isn't just created for that present generation. Inheritance comes from our past into our present. And then it's supposed to move into our future. See, inheritance isn't something you just create in your moment, in your time. It's created beforehand. It's created by those that went before you. See, there are many contenders. I took you through a whole list of them a Sunday night. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, contenders. Moses, Joshua, Caleb, contenders. Deborah, Gideon, Samson, contenders. Esther, Mordecai, contenders. Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, contenders. Samuel, David, the mighty men, continues. All the prophets, continue. And so they're contenders. And so, so we have to understand that there have been many contenders biblically that have, that have carried and possessed spiritual inheritance. Walk with me for a minute. And see, so you jump in on into the New Testament, and you will find that there, were, there was Jesus, of course, and there was John. They were contenders. They both opened up their mouth and declared, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus went on and contended on the cross that man might have access to the king and the kingdom. Yes? He was a contender. They were contenders. A company of contenders. Paul, Barnabas, Timothy, Silas. They were contenders. They were birthing. They were developing. They were growing. This thing called the ecclesia in the earth. They fought for spiritual cities. They fought for territories. They were missionaries carrying the gospel of the kingdom and the places that were untouched in darkness. They went and broke the atmospheres open. They were contenders. There's Bartimaeus, the blind man that wouldn't shut up but got all the louder when they said be quiet, Bartimaeus. He said I can't because I know Jesus is here and I'm going to cry out until I can't see. 
There was the woman with the issue of blood that pressed through the crowd that would not give up because she kept saying to herself, contending with herself, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made Oh, she was a contender. There was a Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was demon-possessed and found Jesus. And Jesus said, move along, woman. And she said, no, I'm not leaving until you tell my daughter she's healed. They were contenders. Any contenders in this house? Then as you go through church history, you will find it is the history of revival. You will find it was John Edwards and Whitfield that brought forth the Great Awakening because they contended. It was James McGrady, Charles Finney, Fathers Nash, who fought for the Second Great Awakening. Evan Roberts and many others that prayed in the Welsh revival that was only one year long, but brought in a harvest of over 100,000 souls. It was Azusa Street with William Seymour and many others that contended for the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You realize that he, he did not even receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues till others around him had already went through. He was one of the last ones in the original bunch that got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And one night he just made up his mind, I'm not leaving here until I receive this gift of tongues through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he sought God after everybody left there was one man that stayed and prayed with him and finally that man got tired and said I don't think it's your night but he looked at him and he said excuse me but I think I'll stay a little longer because I think it's my time and he prayed through because he was a contender we have too many people that feel they're entitled to spiritual experience today They contended. You can go all the way into the mid-50s, the latter reign, and the voice of healing movement that shook this nation because there were men and women that contended. The Lewis revival was such a dynamic move of God. Duncan Campbell gets all the credit because he was the evangelist. But really, they were two sisters, one named Peggy and one named Christian. One was completely blind. The other was bowed over with arthritis who just got really tired of being in a dead church. They did not like the spiritual condition of their church. So they just began to cry out to God from three in the afternoon and ten, till, till 10 o'clock in the evening. They just began to cry out to God, I mean, excuse me, from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning. For three days a week, they would cry out and they would cry out. And then one day, one sister looked at the other one, I think revival is upon us. I think revival is upon us. And it wasn't long after that until God showed up and wrecked a whole island with the glory and the power of God. Somebody needs to understand it's time to contend. I could go on and on and on. Our history is the history of contenders. This is why we must learn to value the expression of revival flow. Because when you, when you learn to value, listen to me, church. When we learn to value what God did in the book of Acts, what he did through biblical history, 
and what he has done in church history. And we value every move of God. Even though we know that when God manifests this next wave, may not look like any of that. But it is our inheritance. And if I can value, and I can understand the flow of God, then I believe God's intention has always been that the inheritance increase. I'm trying to set us up for something. That that we understand that our inheritance will increase. See, this is why in this house we don't gather just together. We don't gather just to have an experiential experience. We gather to govern. Because we believe what is coming up behind us and what is yet ahead of us is worth contending for. Yes? See, not every group that gathers today, I could get in trouble for saying this, but I'll say it anyway. Not every group that gathers today is the ecclesia. Ecclesia is the governing assembly. Not every church that got together today is governing. It's just the way that it is. You say, why is that? I'm glad you ask. It's because they don't see themselves as a company of contenders. They may attend a service today, but they really haven't contended today to experience God, to experience revival, and contended for awakening in our nation and the nations. You see, what happens is if we're not careful, we will settle for community over contending. Now I'm gonna go out somewhere. You see, if we're not careful, we'll settle for the community of the believer. Now, there is the community of the believer. I value the community of the believer, but, the, but a community is defined as a fellowship with others who share values and attitudes and goals. That's great. Everybody, in, hopefully, everyone in this room shares the values of revival, shares the values of awakening, shares the values of contending, because we understand, but many don't share those values. So they gather and they experience they experience community, and that's a good thing. But see, don't just stop with community, because if you're going to be the ecclesia, take your place and contend. Yes? You see, unfortunately, much of the body of Christ study has not been taught. They don't understand the authority that they carry. They don't understand the declaration and the decrees that when they open their mouth and they partner with God, they can shift culture, shake cities. See, we, 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 we need to understand this. That's why we got to watch our mouth. That's why we can't just talk like we're just Americans and we lean a certain way in our, in our, in our political beliefs. We've got to understand we are the ecclesia and what we say matters. What we say matters. What we decree matters. You see, you've got to understand if there's any hope for this nation, it's the church, the ecclesia rising up and her opening up her mouth and declaring with authority that this shall be a nation of righteousness and justice.
because we don't understand. We literally move things. If the church doesn't do it, who's going to do it? Washington, D.C. ain't going to do it. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying to let you understand. There's, there's things happening that the church is the only spiritual entity that has the authority to move it. I don't even have to move this building. I can speak it into this atmosphere, and it can move into a nation. You see, what does this have to do with the revival? Everything. Because if revival doesn't evolve into awakening, then revival is nothing but a spiritual experience for people that are trying to escape the reality of the moment. But real revival will cause you to get up under the anointing of God, the power and the authority of the Spirit, and rise up and say, not on my watch. Yes? I'm trying to get us to a place of contending. We, we, need, we need to really understand what I want to call revival multiplication. Revival multiplication. You see, every, as every generation becomes freer, it multiplies the flow of revival. That's why what happened here yesterday was so powerful. Over 100 people in the encounters, why? And when I say generation, and I say in here, I'm not just talking about, you know, an age group. I'm talking about all those that are alive in a present time. Whether you're, whether you're 10 or you're 100, you're in this generation, and you've got a voice. Your voice doesn't go away when you hit a certain age. And so as each generation becomes freer, see, I really believe this was God's intention. I don't know if, if, it's, if it's flowed the way God intended or not, but I really believe that God intended for every generation alive on the earth in his church was for us to get freer and freer and freer, get further away from generational curses, further away from pains and trauma and aches and all the things that weaken our faith. He, 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 he intended for us to get freer. I'm, I'm on a mission to make sure my grandchildren and my children live at a level of freedom that I never attained. It's called revival multiplication. Okay, let me do this. Let's talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was the pursuer of the promise of the inheritance. Isaac came along after Abraham and redug the wells of the promise. Jacob comes along. And Jacob contends for his own encounter with God, for his own move of God, for his own experience with God. And when you follow the story, you see the increase of inheritance. Abraham came out not knowing, but yet pursued. To having complete trust in the fact that God said there is an inheritance. There is a land. I'm giving it to you. Go take it. He went and took it. And our Bible says in, in Hebrews 7 that Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob were in the same tent. I'm talking about the multiplication of a revival. They were all in one tent. The expression of Abraham's pursuit. The expression of Isaac digging the wells. The expression of Jacob contending for his own encounter with God for his generation. They were all in one tent. Can you imagine what that tent was like? Can you imagine what kind of revival they were having inside that tent? Can we not get our faith big enough to believe what God has done before? He will do again. And can we redig the wells to honor the fathers that have gone, mothers that have gone before us because we value what they encountered with God? And can we not have enough hunger that we will contend for our own encounter? Because if you can, oh, y'all ain't helping me preach today. Because see, if you can find this, if you can see this manifesting in the earth, then you'll realize something that I never saw before until this week. And that was this. That was when Abraham pursued the promise. That, that was when uh, um, Isaac redug the wells and Jacob had the encounter. But Joseph... It was a contender that birthed a governing one. Because Joseph stood and governed over the land of Egypt. You see what we are raising in this house? Do you understand what's over in that building? Do you understand these young people that were not slain under the power of God for hours until midnight Sunday night? Do you understand what's happening here? Because there's a contending spirit that's raising up a governing generation that will stand in places of authority and preserve the people of God. Somebody shout yes. Hallelujah. So God's intention has always been that revival would move from generation to generation to generation. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man will leave an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the wicked it's stored up for the righteous. Isaiah 45.3, speaking of King Cyrus, he said, God said, I will give you treasures of darkness, hidden riches of secret places. I want you to walk with me here. A good father, a good mother, thinks generationally They don't just prepare even for their children. They prepare for their grandchildren. They value so much because the greatest inheritance is not money, is not houses, is not cars. The greatest inheritance is the spiritual things of God that we can leave anointing to our children, that we can leave power to our children that we can leave enough mantles for our children, that they will lay hands on the sick, cast out devils everywhere they go, preach the gospel with boldness. 
that we can release a mantle over our children. See, to me, that's worth fighting for. That's worth fighting for. If you don't fight for yourself, fight for a generation. Yes? So the most important thing that we can fight for is this, is this spiritual possessions. So Paul understood this. So he said, my, my heart's passion. I work and I contend that every man and every woman would inherit everything that God has for them. Not just so they can have it, but so their children's children can have it. So we must, we must receive our spiritual inheritance. Watch me. Because when a generation, again, not age, time, of being alive on the earth, so when a generation receives its inheritance, at that moment it is enriched and it has the power and the mantles to plunder and to possess treasures of darkness. See, the good news is, is when he talks about treasures of darkness hidden, riches and secret places hidden, they're not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. But you got to contend to possess the treasures of darkness. Again, entitlement is killing the church. We just want it all to come to us. It's the fallacy because Jesus died on the cross for it. Then all I got to do is have faith and it comes. Yes, you've got to have faith. And yes, Jesus paid the price for us to have it. But somewhere along the way, you've got to value it enough that you will fight for it more than anything else in your life. There's nothing I want more than to watch my grandchildren flow in the power of God and to see miracles and signs and wonders. And while I'm right here, let me talk about redeeming out these treasures that today sit in darkness. Every human being, every human being carries within them intrinsic heavenly value. Everyone. This is why we stand against abortion. It's the value that's already placed. This is why we stand against racism. Because value is already in place. But there are those today that do not look through the eyes and the lens of a cross. And they see broken humanity and they see people in the dark places. And they fluff them off like they're, no, they're, no, they're not worthy. Fluff them off like I don't have time for you. Fluff them off like they carry nothing of value. But I'm telling you there's something in a generation that every generation needs to pull on. And when somebody's got breath in their lungs, that means there's something in them that the church needs to pull out of the darkness. Because the kingdom has need of them. 
please, please understand where I'm going with this because I, I need to do maybe just a little sidetrack here because I feel this deeply in my spirit because my, my, my concern is, 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 is we, are, we are moving through this thing and we're not really getting people out of the darkness. You see, see, one, one of the basic principles of deliverance is that God brings us out. I said God brings us out to bring us in. I believe, right now it seems to me we're focusing on a lot about getting people out, but very little about getting them in. Deuteronomy 6.23, he said, then he brought us out from there and, and, my, and that he might bring us in. In to give us what? The inheritance, the land, which is sworn to our fathers. This is what I'm saying about getting freer and freer and freer and freer. First uh, Peter 2.29, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and in to his marvelous light. You see, deliverance was never meant to be a lifestyle. It's meant to be an event. It is a moment where the very hand of God touches us in our darkness and breaks the hold and shatters the darkness and brings us into his light. Somebody shout yes. Too many addicted to deliverance. There's demonic possession. There's wicked, dark, twisted, mean demons in this earth. And there are many people that are possessed today. But let me explain something to you. Once you have encountered the very light of God's glory and you've been brought into his marvelous light. Uh, what you need now is not more deliverance. What you need now is somebody to disciple you. Stop running around trying to get somebody to break that thing and you just live like, you see, we're just waiting for somebody to set us free. I've come to tell you Jesus has already set you free through the blood of the lamb and the power of the Holy Ghost. So if you, are, if you are a deliverer, please don't stop. Become a disciple or two. I just had to say that because you see, everybody wants to be a deliverer, but nobody wants to disciple anybody. Nobody wants to get down in the everyday walkie-walkie real world. Let me get down in the dirt with you because we got to get this stuff. Oh, I know the power's broken. Now we got to get the residue off you. Somehow, we, this generation has got deliverance and sanctification mixed up. Sanctification can be messy. Sanctification is the process by which we become more like Christ. Some of us want our demons dealt with, but we don't want our carnality dealt with. Hey, y'all know what I'm talking about. I've been around this thing a few times. This ain't the first time this has been around. And just because people say they need it doesn't mean they need it. 
What they need is a real woman of God and a man of God to sit down with them and break the power of darkness and say, now let's get you reading your Bible. Let's get you praying every day. Let's get you in the church and don't just go to get delivered. Go there because you've been delivered and you're about ready to lose some praise. Somebody ought to praise him because he broke the power of darkness off your life. Now that, my friend, is a word that every pastor wants to... Deliverance is not just freedom from something, it's freedom into something. Please don't set them free and leave them. Bring them in. It's not my job. Yes, it is. They brought him out of darkness. That's, that's a big deal. He brought us out of darkness. That was a big deal. The darkness is one of, the, one, one of Satan's levels of delegated authority in heaven or in, 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 in the earth. It's the rulers. Uh, Ephesians says they are rulers of darkness in the world. They're real. They're powerful. But not more powerful than the light that we've been brought into. So when you hear us speak of revival and awakening, at where we are right now and what God is doing in the earth, that we are breaking the powers. We're talking about breaking the powers of territorial spirits. We're talking about people living who today are living under the weight and the sway of darkness can hear. The voices of the church saying, come out, come out and come in. They hear that call out of darkness into light. When that light comes, they begin to see things in a whole nother way. I'm talking about treasures of darkness. Treasures of darkness. I'm talking about breaking the power. I'm talking about contending. When you contend for revival, and you contend for awakening, ultimately, it boils down to the souls that are represented in this nation. Are y'all with me? I want to finish up today. And I want to talk about the characteristics of a contender. You see, in Acts chapter 11, the Bible speaks of what I call a company of contenders. In verse 19, it speaks of them as those who were. That's all it says. Those who were. In verse 20, they refer to as some of the believers. The, 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 the point I want to make is it said there were some of the believers. It was when they were scattered. In verse 11, it said the church was scattered. You, you do remember that the word scattered 
means to sow throughout. So when it says the church, because of persecution, was scattered, it doesn't mean they were running for their life. Then they may have thought they were running for their life. But in reality, it was a strategic plan of heaven to, str- to strategically scatter them as a farmer goes out to sow seed. He plows the soil. He gets everything ready. And then he walks out with his seed, and he doesn't just start throwing it everywhere. A real farmer will take the seed, put a hole in the ground, push that seed down in the ground, make sure it's covered up with good soil, and then move on to the next seed. Why? Because he knows if he is strategic, he's going to get harvest. So the church was scattered. And when you're talking about those that were scattered, it said those who were. And, and, and though there were some believers that were scattered, and it said wherever they went, they preached Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and numbers believed and turned to the Lord. See, th- 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 this wasn't the fivefold ministry. This wasn't the apostles yet. The apostles were still up in Jerusalem while all the Christians are being strategically placed by God to preach Jesus, to bring the power of the hand of God into untouched territories and, and, and watching God show up. The reason I'm, I'm starting here is I want you to understand that much of a contender has the same mentality than the Acts Church had. I want you to understand that the Acts Church was made up of a company of contenders. They were the unnamed and they were the unknown. Nobody knows who they were. Nobody knows their name. All we know is they broke out strategically into cities and territories and began to shatter the darkness and to establish the kingdom of God. I just want you to know God's getting ready to use the unnamed and the unknown. If you want to be a celebrity, don't get in the ministry. Don't get in the company of contenders. We don't need you to look good. We don't need you to have your entourage. We don't need that. The body of Christ doesn't need that. A world steeped in darkness doesn't need that. It needs men and women full of the Holy Ghost and power. Everybody shout contenders. You see, contending people want more. Contending people want more than 55-minute services. Contending people want more than a 20-minute worship concept, 10-minute prayer and offering, 25-minute sermonette. They want more. They want more. They're looking for more. Many of them doesn't know there's a place to get more yet. But as soon as they find a place that gives them more, goodbye, they're going to go to where they can get more. They want more because inside of them is a contender. Inside of them it says, I'm trying to settle, but I can't settle because they've been called for more. Contenders demand, give me more. 
I feel it every week. I feel it when I stand up here and preach. I feel a draw from this crowd. I feel a draw from this company. Said last week was good, but give me more. Last last revival weekend was good, but I gotta have more. I gotta demand more. I can't stay at the same place I was. Give me So this company of contenders, they had just, just some distinguishing characteristics. I will take them from the Acts Church because the Acts Church is the same as the contending company. It's, 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 they're parallel. The first one is, is this, is that the contending company had to have more, they were more reverent. They were more reverent than the nominal ones. They were more reverent. You see, one of the reasons the Acts Church was so impactful was they possessed a seriousness about the awe and the respect for God and each other. Acts 2.43 says, then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Acts 5.11 says, and great fear, or awe, or respect, came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. What things? People dropping dead in church because they lied. I've been telling God for years, you only take one, God. I mean, they, were, they, they, they stood in awe of what God was doing. They stood in awe when, the, when they saw the sick healed and the demon possessed delivered. They stood in awe when, when they would receive the revelation of God's word. They stood in awe. They stood in awe. And see, see one, of my, one of my concerns today is this, this is truly, truly, truly important to me because you see, the moving of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe would have, would have accomplished everything that it did if they had been casual. If they had been casual about their faith, if they would have been casual about the moving of the Holy Spirit, they valued what God was doing. Church here, your pastor today, we must value what God is doing in this house because apparently from what we're hearing, God's not doing this everywhere. And so therefore, if God's gonna show up in a place and God's gonna rest his presence on a place, then we are a people that must stand in awe of his presence, of his glory. We must honor him in everything that we do and everything that we say. We must let him know we value his presence, his power, his glory. We value everything that he is doing. This is important. What would happen if the same intense awareness of God's awesomeness came on the entire church today. What would happen if we put down our coffee cups? And we decided this isn't just like any other place. This isn't like the theater that you were at last night. 
This isn't like the place you went dancing last night. This isn't like the place, I don't know, I don't go anywhere, but home and church. Man. Wherever you go to have fun. This ain't in and out, baby. You don't walk in like God owes you something. God don't owe you nothing. It's by the very mercy of God that he even showed up today. But somehow in the church, we got this idea that we are the main event. We are not the main event. He's the main event. His presence is the main event. His glory is the main event. And if he don't show up, I don't even want to be here. Yes? You see, you can be seated. What we value increases in importance. Okay, get that. What we value increases in importance. If there's any reason that we have, we have a level of the glory and the presence of God that is in this house to this point, it's because we have honored him and we value what he has done. If we ever lose that, God help us. So we don't act like it doesn't matter if he doesn't show up. See, some churches could care less whether he shows up. They just want the crowd, the people, the offerings, and move them on out and get the next crowd in, get the next offering in, move them on out again. Act like we're doing God a favor because we can get a lot of people in a church. That ain't doing God no favor. God wants to know when I get there, do you fear me? When I get there, you're going to fall on your face and worship me. When I get there, you're going to lay your flesh aside and say, you know what? I, I choose not to be entertained, but I choose to entertain him. Yes? I just had to say that. So a company... A contender is more reverent. A contender is more vibrant. Acts chapter 2. That's fine. Acts chapter 2. Verse 46. So continue daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You know, this contending company was more vibrant. Their, their way of praising God their joyful optimism. They were not a people who worried in fear. They were aware of God's greatness. They were aware of God's goodness. They were excited about their future with God. They were vibrant. 
Our Bible says in Psalms 102, it says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. There's something about being in a place that's vibrant. This is why we say over and over and over again that we refuse to worship in a dead atmosphere. We refuse to preach in a dead atmosphere. There's no reason for us to come in here and shut down. There's no reason for us to come in here and act like everything is bad and sad. We need to come up in here knowing this is the place where we rejoice with the people of God and we lift up our God who is a good God and we declare with positive expectation that he is not finished yet. They were vibrant people. Literally means they were full of energy. They were enthusiastic. Do you know the, the, the word enthusiastic comes, I can't it's Greek or Latin, but it comes from the Greek or Latin word enthus, entheos, theos being God. That when you're in God, you are enthused. Well, you can't know God and not be enthusiastic. You can't be dead, dried, and twice plucked up. No, sir. You got to know when you know him. You got the living one on the inside of you. You got the resurrection and the life all in one. Somebody say yes. Hey. This, 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 these contenders, they were more consistent than others. <laughs> By the way, if how we worship irritates you, you may not be a contender. I'm just saying it ought to inspire you. It ought to cause you to want to get up, kick the door open. Said, look out, hell, you've had your way long enough. I've got fire shut up in my belly. I'm ready to come and give my God a praise. So, so they're more consistent. This, this is important. The Bible says in Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayer. So this, this is what we understand. This word steadfast here in Acts is important. It means to stand firmly in place, not to waver or budging an inch. It means to hold firm to a chosen position and to follow through with determination. It means to stay strong. It means hold the line. See, contenders understand the power of steadfastness. They understand the power of focus. They had a constant focus on kingdom dynamics. 
This is what I was trying to get to earlier. This is where we need people when they come out of deliverance. Uh, we need to bring them into an understanding that through Christ in them, they can, they can rise to a level of steadfastness. Uh, you don't have to be in and you don't have to be out. You don't have to be up one day and down the next. Uh, there is a place that you can find in God uh, that you can walk at a level of praise and anointing and joy and peace. Uh, some days it may go higher. Some days it may be tested. Nonetheless, when I get up every day, I'm not going to have some to try to figure out what kind of mood is pastor going to be in today. I want to be steadfast. I want to be able to walk in the midst of the darkness. I want to be able to walk in the midst of the storm. I'm not giving up. I'm not backing down. I am steadfast. Contenders are steadfast. Every pastor in this world today would love to have a church filled with steadfast people. Steadfast people. You know they're going to be there. They'll be there Wednesday night. They'll be there Super Bowl night. I, I'm trying to think of some other nights. Friday night, Saturday night. Sunday morning, Sunday night, oh, then Wednesday again. I'm getting a lot of revelation up here. I just want y'all to know that right now. Like I said, I don't do much. I'm pretty vanilla. <laughs> Helps your sanctification, by the way. Just saying. I'm telling you. Put that there. I'm pausing for impact. Selah, think about that. I'm just trying to get us to, to understand what real contenders are like. Because we can shout about it, we can say we are that, but we've got to understand when the rubber meets the road, steadfastness, consistency. We must master the mundane in order to seize the supernatural. If you're looking for excitement. See, I always thought when revival came, it would be like on. And I would just be like, show up and hey. I didn't know every day I had to get up and fight hell and push hell back. I didn't know every day I'd have to, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know that I was going to have to be more focused than any time before in my life. I didn't know. See, some of us are so unfocused right now, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You can't even relate to the words that are coming out of my mouth. But I got to let you know. Contending people understand the value to fight. They understand the value to gather kingdom activities into their life continually. See, he said, they continually, they were continually steadfast. Watch. They chose their life. They chose to live their life around truths that transform. Around covenant meals that connected them relationally. 
and they built their life around intercession. Moving heaven to earth. Our Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always. Not just on Sunday. Always. Always. That your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Yes? This, 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 this is important, church. You see, God cannot, or maybe I should say God will not, build, birth, build, and sustain something powerful. With inconsistent people. He's got to have some people he can count on. I guarantee this message is in like, like five ways to grow your church. Last one. Are you ready? Contending people are more triumphant. Our Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. In Christ, through us diffuses the fragrance of knowledge in every place. You see, a true contender has the smell of triumphed on them. They face life differently than everybody else because they are a contender. You see, and I really believe in the days that we are in and the days ahead are going to demand that we learn how to live with a triumphant spirit. You see, to triumph, this text that I just read to you, to triumph implies not only victory, but an open manifestation of victory. In other words, I don't just get through it. I get through it with the smell of victory. In other words, I don't just get through it to get through it. Thank God that's over. I get through it and I come out with the plunder of the enemy to let everybody know he tried to kill me, but I'm still alive. He tried to bankrupt me, but I'm still blessed. He tried to put sickness on me, but I stand here healed. He tried to take my marriage but we're stronger than ever. I'm talking about being more triumphant. It's, It's an attitude of faith and expectation. You see, as a child of God, we are in it to win it. None of us know what tomorrow may bring. None of us know what what kind of battle we will find ourselves in. No, none of us know because life is like that. Everything can be great in your one phone call away from your whole life being shattered and rearranged. 
Life is like that. But when you have a spirit, a triumphant spirit, then you understand this is not going to be easy. But I refuse to let this thing take my joy, take my peace, take my authority, and have its way. It's not going to get my praise. You see, I feel like I need to tell you this because the revival fire is intensifying. Yeah, yeah, it's intensifying. It's like when, when, when Paul was on the island of, of Malta and, and, and he went out there and he began to throw fuel on the fire. He began to put wood on the fire. And it said that the, the, that the viper came out and the viper struck him because he was fueling the fire. And many of you have been fueling the fire because that's what contenders do. They, they cause there to be an atmosphere that demands more. And when there's a demand for more God, more glory, and more fire, the serpent will attack. And the, and the viper came out of the fire and it latched itself onto the apostolic assignment of Paul. But Paul said, wait a minute, not everybody has understands their inheritance yet so I can't die yet so he shook it off in the fire the reason I'm declaring this to you uh, you need to understand that you need to know how to shake the thing off you have to understand because everybody around him looked at him and said he ought to be dead but he was not they were waiting on him to swell up and to fall over but Paul did not why? because Paul had the spirit of a triumphant apostle he was a man because he, he knew how to triumph he knew how to over Overcome. Paul was not easily swayed, nor did he give in to every little thing because he understood. He understood that every season has a hell moment in it. But if you keep walking, eventually you'll walk out of hell and you'll step into the smell of heaven. You'll smell victory all around you, glory all around you. Somebody shout yes. Almost done. See, it's one thing to lose if you're a loser. When you're a loser, you expect to lose. But if you're a winner, you expect to win. Both my grandsons, I can tell you right now, they're winners. Because they don't like losing. It even looks like they're going to lose. Even though we, we've, we've set them up to win. But if it looks like they're going to lose, it's like, oh, my gosh. They're laying in the floor, curling up at a ball. Oh, my God, I'm going to lose. They refuse to lose. It's in them. I want you to know it's in you. Paul refused to lose. Paul understood we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. And I want to refuse this in your spirit today because as, as a contender, there will be days that shout at you and said, you lost, you lost, you lost the battle. You lose, you lose, you lose. And let me tell you something. If you was a loser, it doesn't matter. You'll just lose and walk away. But when you're a winner, you said, no, something's wrong. Something ain't right here. This can't be over yet because I haven't won yet. Ah, some, 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 something's up. Something's up. Something's up. I'm triumphant in Christ. He calls, he promised me I would be triumphant always. You see, I have tasted revival and there's no turning back. 
If you want to go back, you're going to go back by yourself. Because I've made up my mind. I'm not going back. I'm going for more. I'm going for more. I'm going for more. I'm going for more. I've been through too much. Had too many things come at me. Fought too many battles. Too much is at stake. I have come this far. And I'm not about to give in to anybody's defeat. I'm ready to go all the way through to victory. Somebody get up on your feet and shout, yes! When you hear these words, it's over. That's hell talking. Because in the kingdom of God, it's not over. Until you taste triumph. That doesn't mean everything's going to turn out the way we want it. That means we're not poisoned. Uh. Hallelujah. You know what I was thinking this week? As a believer, even the smell of death is victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your for me to slip from here to there is the ultimate triumph. This is why we contend without failure. Because we are promised if we stay in the fight, we will receive an inheritance. I come this morning to inspire, to raise up, to increase our capacity for contending. wrote this down this morning but I want to speak it over you there was a battle raging for revival and awakening the battle is our assignment the battle is an assignment for those who choose to contend the assignment requires another level of kingdom governmental authority Contending is the process by which our faith is strengthened and impartation from miracles is released. Those who choose to contend will come out of the battle 
on the triumphant side. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.